Good morning. If we haven't had a chance to meet, as you heard, my name is Craig. It's my treat uh, to preach this morning, one of the elders here at Grace Cove. And uh, I do want to welcome you. It's good to be together. Um, I want to say two things just quickly before, uh, before we look into our sermon this morning. Is uh, Neville and Charmaine, there is a three and a half hour time difference. Um, but they were preaching in Sri Lanka this morning. He's already sending messages. You've got to love Neville's passion, right? Um, and uh, seemingly Charmaine's forbearance. She has put up with all sorts of things. They, they uh, did a how many hour trip? I'm trying to remember this last one now. Uh, five hour or something? No, that was last time. So the six and a half. Thank you. So I told you last week their, their plane got canceled. They ended up on a 12 hour trip. Now they did a six and a half hour trip to, to get to the place they were going in Sri Lanka. They checked into their, their hospital sometime in the middle of the night and their hotel, and it was terrible. It was terrible. He said they just cried. And so they had to sleep, but it was too late. And then the next morning, they went and found another place. They said the ladies were far happier. Uh, but anyway, so they preached this morning. Never saying healings, deliverances. Um, what else? I'm trying to remember on my phone. Uh, people restored. And uh, so he's a super excited. So how cool is that from Grace Cove? to Sri Lanka. Isn't that amazing? Uh, and then as we pray this morning on a, on a more serious note, uh, do you want to ask us as a local church, Grace Cove, just to be praying for Solly and for Brenda, his wife, and their little child. And uh, Solly has not had word yet. Solly? Still nothing. Solly has not had word yet from home, from Brenda, uh, since the cyclone hit in Mozambique. And uh, it's amazing how in the news it's been mostly Mozambique. But over the border, like while we prayed. Uh, and so let's pray for our friend and his family, right? Will you remember to do that? Just as the Lord reminds you, please continue to pray. It's just one of those difficult stories. There's no power, there's no communications, there's no bridges. So uh, even if Solly went, he wouldn't be able to get there. Um, and so really, as far as humanly speaking, and I think that the Lord helps us, we get confronted, humanly speaking, Regularly in our lives, where there's actually nothing more we can do. It might be far away, it might be near at hand, but there, there are times over and over again where we come to this place where, man, actually, I can be my cleverest, I can be my strongest, I can be my richest, but there's no more that physically I can do. And that's the position Solly is with his family. And so, but, remember in the scriptures when they were locked up in jail, it says, but the church was praying. Yeah? And so we as a family, as a community of faith, not just a bunch of people that come listen to a preacher or sing some songs of the band on a Sunday, but us as a community of faith can rally together and pray. Cool? Keep praying for our country. This is an important time. Um, get ready to vote. Keep praying. And then also pray for our, our neighbors as well. God has called us as a church to be a blessing, but also those that believe in Jesus in this nation to be a blessing way beyond. Amen? I want to ask you if you would picture a bicycle, the, the bicycle, um, the bicycle riders. What do you do? Ride, drive. What? Bicycle riders. Doesn't sound right to me. Riders. The bicycle riders normally come to the 10.30, but I was hoping we could do an experiment. I think we've got a pram. That's about as close as we're going to get. But picture with me uh, a bicycle right here in front. Wesley, don't stumble. All the bicycle all the real bicycle riders are thinking, yo, Hey, uh, whatever the equivalent of a Mustang on two wheels is, I don't know. Uh, but picture a bicycle. Um, 
I loved what Andre uh, had on his heart today to lead us in this thing of singing new songs. Um, it made me think of in the Old Testament, sing a barren woman. You who've never born child, burst into song. And sometimes we are in a situation, we're stuck, and God says, actually, I want you to do something that you can't do or you haven't done. There needs new action. And so that's what his heart has been for us this morning. And uh, so picture a bicycle. You know, there's many ways. I, I, I clearly remember uh, uh, learning to ride my bicycle. Do you? Do you? I remember teaching our kids to ride bicycles. But clearly, I remember we had this, this nasty, tarred driveway. It had a bit of a, 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 a round, like, it looked a bit like a butternut. So it had a long drive and then a circular thing close to the house. Um, and uh, the, the tar was old, so it was full of gravel. And I remember learning to ride around that, uh, that uh, driveway. But picture a bicycle, and in your mind, put yourself on it. Now, we could have the bicycle right here, and we could get you on it, and we could hold behind, like a dad or a mom or whoever does, holding the, the bicycle saddle, right? Yes? And then we could all gather around, and we could say, now you've got to learn to balance. You, you've got to keep your balance, and you can't put your feet down. Pick your feet up. And our balance. You've seen these guys with their, with their um, feet locked into their, their pedals at the robots, right? Creep, 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 creep. Because the moment they stop, what's going to happen? Unless you are particularly, uh, particularly gifted, you're going to fall straight over, right? And so what we could do, we could gather around each other. We could encourage each other. Hey, keep your balance up. Go for it. Well done. Balance a little longer. You can do this. A little bit more to lean to the right, lean to the left. We could, we could gather around you and we could shout and scream. We could ooh and ah. But how long do you think that's going to last, even at your best? Seconds, maybe, depending on how good you are. Okay. By the look on your faces, you guys are all imagining yourselves in spandex rather than on the bicycle. Okay. So the point is, we could work our hardest to perfect your balancing skill. Hey, it's nice to see you, Professor. Good to have you back, hey? And uh, we could have you on the bicycle. We could work at balancing, or you could just start pedaling. Because you can be a fraught balancer, but as long as you're pedaling, you'll stay upright. And I think sometimes it's like that in our Christian life, where we try and perfect, we dot the I's, dot, this, dot the I's, cross the T's. We, we, we try and get everything just 100%. Let me keep going. And maybe we gather some friends around us. Sometimes they're Job's comforters, which are bad friends. Other times they're good friends. And, and, and we try and keep going. And we can, you know, we can, Jesus says of the Pharisees, you strain the, what do you strain? You strain, strain the gnat and you swallow. Vaughn, help me, someone, elders. You strain the gnat and you swallow. The camel, thank you. And uh, so, so we get so caught up with being, trying to get, to an A++ in this area when that actually puts us in greatest threat. The best chance we have for riding that bicycle is at speed. Mm -hmm. I want to encourage us this morning. Maybe 80% is good enough for right now. The Lord will bring us around and He'll help us to get a better at it next time. But I just would love to encourage us this morning to start get on that bicycle and start pedaling. Sing a barren woman. New song. I, I was waiting for Andre to say, if, if it was a few years ago in the, in, in the church, he would be saying, right, okay, now music, stop. Everyone stand up. Now just sing, 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 make up a song. At one stage, new songs in church are quite popular. And everyone was like, what? I've got to say, what? 
What are the words? No, it's a new song. <laughs> okay, yeah, but what are the words? No, you make them up as you go along. And most of us are just battling to sing, never mind write the lyrics, right? And uh, so we can do that. But my point is, rather than trying to be perfect, rather than trying to be super skilled at where you're at now, God, I'm in a hole. Man, I just want to perfect being in this hole, and then you can graduate me to whatever the next step with you is. I would suggest to you now that actually the, the, the secret is just get that bicycle moving. You know, you can't turn a ship unless it's going a certain speed. Can't. You'll fall off your bicycle unless it's moving above a certain speed. Yeah? The people that plant churches are not the people that perfect things. They're people that just do it. The people that move on in God are not the people that, Lord, when, I, like when I'm a professor in praying for five minutes, then maybe you'll ask me to pray for a stranger, or then you'll ask me, yeah? Sometimes you just got to move on. Is that all right? Is that good? Okay. So today we come to the end of our Unstuck Preaching series. We've got to move on, otherwise we might become stuck in this series. That would be a problem, right? And so we've said over the last few weeks, we've said that it's easy to feel stuck in our lives. We, it, it, it's very common, if you chat around the office, in your social circles, it's very common to feel like we're on a treadmill of the mundane, just not getting any closer to this perfect light we had in mind. Uh, no matter how much credits they offer you, no matter how many uh, extra prizes they, they want to sell you, we still realize we haven't got closer to where we wanted to get. I'm becoming more and more aware of how many of us live lives, as I talk to people, as I think of myself, we live lives of quiet desperation. It's easy to feel like we're on a hamster wheel and not going where we want to get to. We endure, we feel dissatisfied, but at the same time, might not be doing much about it other than moaning. We talk our country. Most South Africans like to moan. Generalization, I know it's unfair. But it's very common for us to moan, but actually not do anything about it. Okay? Uh, most often we're happy enough to complain or bemoan our lot in life, but we don't do anything meaningful to change it. We can dream of being debt-free, having cash for Christmas, being able to send our kids to varsity without a loan. We can dream of exercising enough, eating well, having time for our family and friends, maybe even a hobby. But still, we find we just walking the same well-worn paths. And I'm hoping on the one hand, by this stage of the series, you're saying, Craig, that feel, feels painfully familiar. But on the other hand, I'm saying, I'm, I'm hoping you're also saying, but there's some kind of progress. The pedals are turning, even if they're slow. There's this thing when you bicycle called cadence. And it's less important how fast you spin the, the pedals from time to time. Am I right? It's more important how your average cadence, the number of times your pedals turn. And maybe you and I just need to get some cadence going. So unless we become unstuck, we won't move on. The mundane will consume us, and we won't live in the freedom or the fruitfulness that Jesus intends for us. So they say 10 reasons why we get stuck, we don't move forward. Dwayne, thank you. For 10 reasons, it's, first of all, it's the need to always be right. Do you know someone like this? No matter what happens, you are right. 
the need to always be right. The problem with that is that we become risk-averse because if we take chances, we may be proven not to be right. The second is where we start with no, but, or however. The answer is always no. I think the answer should always be yes. I think we should start with yes and figure it out as we go along. But the third one is an excessive need to be me. Oh, you've just got to accept me the way I am. You try that at a job interview and see how that goes for you. Yeah? It's very, very common right now in a, across the world. No, you name it. People are saying, no, this is me. This is my truth. This is it. I heard a politician who I don't necessarily support who, who said, you're welcome to your opinion, your own opinion, but you're not welcome to your own truth or own facts. Facts are facts. Yeah? We insist on, I just want, I need to be me. I need to express myself. We won't get forward. Negativity. We are constantly thinking on the bad side. Eeyore, deluxe. Number five is we make excuses. No matter what happens, there's a reason why it didn't turn out for you the way it could have. Number six, where we cling to the past. We set up memorials to the past. Oh, those were the days. And we don't invest any energy in going forward. Number seven, we refuse to express regret. The inability to take responsibility for our actions or admit that we were ever wrong. Sometimes you just got to say in work or with your friends in church, man, I to mess anything up, but we got it wrong. Can we forgive each other and move forward? There comes a time where we've just got to say, listen, I'm sorry, there's not much more I can do. I can't go back in time. I can promise not to do it again and try hard, but somewhere along the line, I've got to say I'm sorry to you, and you've got to say, it's all right, I forgive you to me, and vice versa. Number eight is punishing the messenger. Man, we love, as South Africans, we love to do that as well. Hey? It's the guy that brings the message that gets in trouble, and so then we just all keep quiet. Uh, the ninth one is passing the buck. We blame everyone but ourselves. And the tenth one is claiming credit we don't deserve. So on the one hand, we don't want to admit that we were wrong. On the other hand, we want to admit that someone else's right is, is ours. If we hang on to any of these, you'll find we won't move forward. So over the last while, we've said it's also easy to assume that other people, you know those people, those people, those other ones, uh, have it easier than ourselves. That they who are getting it right absolutely can't have the same pressures that I have. So when you on a Friday night are finished because your week has been just like that, and you kick the cat when you get home, and you bump the car, and you slam the front door, then you say, man, all those other people, they come home happily, but they didn't have my week. Maybe they just learned to triumph where you and I haven't yet. We're stuck in a rut. We haven't got out of it yet. So we've said, uh, we've said that we need to become unstuck in a number of areas. We, we said uh, in my faith, my family, and my friends, my finances, my fitness, my general health, my future, my fruitfulness. And uh, today I want to talk about unstuck in sharing our faith. Uh, if you have interests like me, I think it's becoming quite, uh, almost wherever you look, there's a great move towards this maker world. In the olden, uh, <laughs> try not to get caught in, in, in my illustrations, I'm wondering if this will help you or hurt you. So if you look back in building, you'll get the Tudor style. You know the Tudor style, the black beams and white walls and bricks in between? You see it even today, you're with me. So at one stage in, in um, architectural history, buildings became very formalized, stayed, very duplicated. 
And then there was this great surge of what was called the arts and, arts and crafts movement, where people wanted to have their hands on the buildings. And when you looked at the building, you could actually see the skill. They would show you more. The previous, um, previous styles would hide all the details. Now all of a sudden, you, you could see the artisans at work. And it's like today, we have, a same th we have this a similar trend. We call it the maker society. The so-called maker movement, the dictionary says, is an umbrella term for a new, a new generation of hackers, artisans, designers, artists, and entrepreneurs. Who's bought bread this week? Okay, so you can go to the shop of your choice, and you can go get whatever, Blue Ribbon, Sasko, whatever it is, government-sanctioned bread, right? It's supposed to weigh a certain amount. It's supposed to be a certain shape. It's supposed to get a certain number of slices out of it. It's supposed to contain a certain amount of nutrients. Yes? Who has bought artisanal bread this week? <laughs> you paid about five times more for the same loaf? Maybe four. Maybe four. But you know it was made by the loving hands of somebody, not out of a machine. And it must taste better because of that. And it's true, it often does. But my point is, even when it comes down to our daily bread, there is this shift to an appreciation of something that just doesn't just come out of a machine, but something that actually has some, some, some uh, interest and some personal touch into it, some substance. Um, it's true, it is more healthy. And so there's this rise of worldwide technology-enabled DIY culture. The maker movement is indicative of a desire among people to have more control over their lives. I don't just want to buy my bread, I want to be part of making my bread. Yes? Um, the act of making is one means of gaining mastery over our lives, not just because it enables us to be more self-reliant, but also because it can boost our sense of agency or self-worth. You might be saying, Craig, where are you going? Stick with me. This is important. You see, no longer do we need a publisher to become an author like Shakespeare. No longer do we need a record label to produce our album like The Beatles. I wonder if you re remember who either of those were. No longer do we need to hire a, web, a warehouse to birth a company and sell products like a macro or a pick and pay. No longer do we need a factory to create widgets when we can just 3D print them at home. Nowadays you can 3D print metal objects as well, not just plastic. We no longer need to be a celebrity when I can write, film, and star in my own video content and upload it to YouTube for the masses to see. I no longer need to get a loan from our bank when I can get funded many times over on Kickstarter. I no longer need to write a letter to the editor of my newspaper. You remember those? We'd get ourselves in a fit and I'm going to write a letter to the editor. <laughs> and then they could choose whether they'd publish it or not and about three people fitted into the newspaper. You're lucky. Huh, imagine that. Nowadays, I don't have to do that when I've got Twitter and Instagram right in my pocket. The whole world can hear my letter to the editor. So if all of that is true, if we as a society are moving towards this, I want a hand in my own destiny. I want to craft where I go. I don't want to just buy a website. I want to learn how to make a website, etc. They're saying now the amount of time it takes to make a car, they're talking about 3D printing cars in much less time. 
Imagine the next time you wanted a car, you just went to your study and kind of got a program going. Yeah? So if all of this is true, if there's this DIY surge, this maker trend in the world, then why is it that we are still so hero-focused when it comes to our faith? There's this surge, this groundswell of democratizing the lifestyle that we choose, but our faith is still primarily focused on individual standouts who get to do all the work while we do all the watching. Looks like you're wondering whether I've insulted you yet or not. (laughs) Why do we wait or expect the paid professionals or the anointed few to do the job instead of all of us rising up as an army of DIY disciples and taking the gospel to the world? You know what I love about Neville and Charmaine? They've paid their own way out of their own pocket. They've taken their own leave. He's not employed by the church. This isn't his job. It's just his call. He's making it happen with his wife. Uh, Dwayne, you can give us that next slide. Thank you. Hudson Taylor, who uh, uh, was a a missionary to China uh, from England, he said, if your father and mother, your sister and brother, if the very cat and dog in your house are not happier because you are a Christian, then it's a question whether you really are. Not the pastor. When the pastor comes to visit, you know they tell that joke about the pastor comes to visit, you put your parrot away. Do you know why? Because parrot listens to you. It's like Alexa. Anyone got an Alexa or Siri? Siri keeps talking to me when I wasn't talking to her. It's amazing. She's listening all the time. Yeah? (laughs) You put your parrot away because skunder. The professional might hear what my normal life is like. Those words that the parrot hears that we don't want the pastor to hear. How's it going in your house? DIYs? DIY disciples or paid professionals? I want to remind us, remember Alan and Deline Parfit came and preached here and he said the point, exactly to Bolko's words, wherever she's sitting, the exact point is God heals us that we might be a healing community. Not that I might just enjoy it for myself. Peace in my time. He blesses us that we might be a blessing to the nations. I want you, I want to ask yourself this morning. Actually, where is that thing? Give us that next slide, Dwayne. I want to ask us this morning, be honest with ourselves. Does the kingdom of God play the central theme in my life or is it a nice to have, an optional extra, if time, energy, and resources permit? I have said over the last while that I might be a little combative in my preaching and I hope that's okay with you because all I want you to do is think. And sometimes we have to be offended to think. Not that I'm trying to offend you. You know, people sometimes tell me they haven't been to church for a while because they've been too busy at work. And then they say, man, we, we're missing with family time. So what you'll do is we'll just cancel church so we can spend time with the family. 
I'm asking, is the kingdom of God central or is it an add-on? You can decide for yourself. I'm not asking you for the answer because that would be offensive because then I could say, hey. I'm just asking us to think and go to the law. Are we leaving it to the certain few or is it for all of us to do? You know, when you read through the Old Testament, the Gospels tell us about the life of Jesus. Acts tells us about the birthing and the planting of the, local, the, the, the church worldwide, uh, evidence in local churches. And we know that Jesus, I said this last week, Jesus chooses 12 young men, 11 young men and one older young man. And uh, he spends three years with them. And then he leaves it to them. And if you start to read through the letters, the epistles, you see there's this great urgency, there's this great uh, personal responsibility that comes on the believers of God. There's this urgency, personal responsibility, priority. You don't see them sitting around wondering when Jesus is going to come back and do what he was supposed to do. They all rise up and say, there's a job for me to do because the kingdom of God is central in my life. They were expecting Jesus to return before they died and they knew they better get on with the job before he does so. I love talking to single guys. Uh, they have a different eschatology to people that have, been, been, uh, have, have lived a little longer on this, this earth. Do you know what eschatology is? It's the belief system of the end times. When is Jesus coming back? When will the world come to an end? Now, if you're young and single, ready to mingle, then you prefer Jesus to return a little later. <laughs> if you're out and chatrout, if you're married and been married for a while, then maybe for the guys, uh, okay, he can come when he's ready. Do you get my point? These guys lived with the sense of urgency that Jesus was returning anytime soon to sort, finish this whole world up. And they realized, I better do something about it while I can. Now, I know you and I get stuck in the routine of life, and it quickly distracts us. Hello? Quickly distracts us. But these are to make our own loaf of bread instead of just going to the shop and buying one. I watched a YouTube video of a guy building, making his own bicycle from scratch. Because why buy one from the shop? Yeah? You can give us that next slide. You see, Jesus lived the maker model. When he called those 12, his first instruction to them was, come and see. Come look at my life. The second one was, then come and follow me. The third one was, and I will make you fishes of men. And the fourth one was, now go and do likewise. You see this maker model? It's amazing, this democratizing of, of our faith, this, this handing out. It wasn't for those that were somehow, you know, in the olden days, the, the church said you had to speak Latin, and, and church services had to be in Latin. Never mind, no one spoke Latin. Why? So that the paid professionals could keep the power of the religion. That's not, Jesus never intended that. He called normal people. He explained to them. He said, come and look at my life. Then he said, come and follow me, be with me. Then he said, I will make you fishes of men. I will enable you to do what you've seen me doing. And then he said, right now it's up to you, go and do that. I wonder if we lived under the same uh, uh, mandate, it would be an amazing thing. And then remember, hashtag three years. In your notes, if you haven't been taking notes yet this morning, then just open your phone, write a WhatsApp to yourself or open your notes, whatever. Uh, just, just write down, hashtag three years. Hashtag three years. Remember we said last week, Jesus had three years with his disciples and then he left the world up to them. Carry on with the job, boys. 
And my question last week with our stuck in our fruitfulness, getting unstuck, was if I compare myself now to three years ago, has there been progress? I want to say this morning is we're talking about unstuck in sharing our faith. You see, because we can take this whole series and we can augment our lives. You can be healthier. You can be eating better. You can have a better relationship with your loved ones. You can be organizing your finances better. You can be more settled and less worried about your future. And so far, it's all been about me and you. That's why it's so important we finish this morning thinking about others. That all of this has happened so that we can serve Jesus better, so that I can make my artisanal uh, olive ciabatta. Nice. Okay? You can turn with me now to the book of Luke. We're going to have a look at the Good Samaritan, and then we'll make some applications. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Luke chapter 10, 25. Can I just say, as an aside, South Africa needs some Good Samaritans right now. Right now, in the lead up to our elections, we will see far more and more separating of people into their categories. The priest and the Levites and the Jews and the Gentiles, some of those being the Samaritans. That's the story. Now, I'm not preaching about politics, but can I say we need some good Samaritans that will say, uh -uh, I'm not living inside of my bubble. We have a country that God wants to bless. So Luke chapter 10, verse 25. It says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus answered, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is down to Jerusalem from Jericho, or from Jericho to, from Jerusalem to Jericho, where he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to go, be going on the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. Now remember, the man who got beaten up was a Jew, and this was a Samaritan man. Racially didn't connect. When he saw him, he took pity on him. Verse 34, when he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, that's enough, that, that, that's the two days wages, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers, Jesus asked. The expert in the law replied, well, the one that had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I think if we summarize the life of Jesus, it could be we, we could end it with that one little passage. Now go and do likewise. Isn't it amazing that in the passage, 
the professionals, the Levites and the priests, the professionals weren't the guys that Jesus was commending. It was some guy who would have been left out of the group. He probably wouldn't have gained entrance. He said, that's the example. And then he said, right now, we all must go and do that example. There has to be this maker mentality, this DIY side to the way we exercise our faith. And it's so easy for us, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, to get stuck in a rut where my Christianity is about my personal, can I use the word sanctification, holiness, my personal polishing of my halo, and Christianity is there to make me a better person, to make my family happier. Keep me out of debt. Keep me prayers answered. <laughs> and Jesus said, now go and do likewise. There's this work I want to do in you so that you can do some work. Amen. Can I put it another way? We can say Christianity is learning to balance on my bicycle. So everyone can look at me and say, wow, you balance on a bicycle really well. It's as useful to the rest of us, but it's quite impressive. You see, a Christian that polishes his halo is hardly any use to the world other than the fact that he's not committing crime. Just because we can balance a bicycle well doesn't mean we help anyone. Yeah? It's as we get going, as we go and do likewise. So the Levites, these were the, 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 the priestly order. Their job was to maintain the temple. And uh, they were too busy keeping things manageable in order to see the opportunity. The priests, they were concerned with the ministry and being uh, religiously correct before God. They were far too busy with spiritual matters to be any good to people. It's like when your neighbor's house is burning down and you say, well, I'll pray for you. And when my quiet time's done, I'll come with a hose pipe. It sounds ludicrous, eh? But we do it every day. After everyone in the world. But there's, if we will listen to the Holy Spirit, you'll hear, do this today, do that today. Think of that person today. Yeah? Too often we say, you know, when I'm okay, then I'll squeeze you in somewhere. But if the kingdom is central, then everything else takes place, forms, forms from that. So the Samaritan is this wonderful example. He is aware of his deficiencies and his disqualifications. So you and I are in good company when we talk about the Samaritan. He was not qualified. He was not supposed to be the one helping. He had nothing to commend himself to be the hero of the story. Nothing. And I'm so grateful because I can measure up to him. Yeah? He, and he knew that. He had no pretensions. He, he wasn't superior, and he wasn't looking down on anyone else. And the Bible says in verse 37, it says, we can just go back. It says, he went to him. He went to him. Now, uh, folk, I want us to hear this this morning. DIY disciples, we want to get unstuck in sharing our faith. Uh, on purpose, didn't Google it this, uh, in my preparation because I didn't want to know the answer. But I've heard different figures thrown around over the years of how many Christians will actually lead someone to the Lord in their lifetime. percentage of Christians who will actually be able to walk someone into an everlasting relationship with Jesus. It's shockingly few. I won't ask you to put your hand up. 
Sometimes it's easy if you're the preacher, you get a bar because, oh, I, I preached once in this room and someone put their hand up. I'm talking personally. It's fine, they're not offended, they're just going out to make sure you've got a cup of coffee. <laughs> Benjamin. Do you know how easy it is for us to sit exactly where we are and we say, well, I'll help you out, but you've got to come to me. The mountain of Muhammad, right? The Samaritan guy went to him. Then it says he bandaged his wounds. Remember when Jesus stood up, he said, uh, he quoted from Isaiah, he says, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. He bandaged his wounds. He poured oil. It speaks of the Holy Spirit. It speaks of ministering with the Holy Spirit. It says, then he put the man on his own donkey. I don't know about you. Anyone here own a donkey? <laughs> you lie. You park it in your garage if you're lucky enough to have a garage. <laughs> I've already spoken about Mustangs. We won't get sidetracked again. He took his own donkey. I want to, sure, guys. Sorry, in advance. But here's the point. If the kingdom of God is central to our lives, it's not an added augmented extra. It's not spiritual liposuction, which apparently is the most popular uh, cosmetic surgery that you can have. We're not just trying to fancy ourselves up. If the kingdom of God is central to our lives, then everything I have becomes available to Him, my car included, my house included, my time included, etc. It says He put Him on His own donkey. I mean, here's this guy. He was riding a donkey. Now he's walking. <laughs> Most of us would be saying, oh God, why do you make me walk? So hard walking. I don't wear the right shoes today. In. <laughs> you know, as Christians, we often wait for people to come into our sphere of influence and then we'll help them. As churches, we wait for people to come into the building and then we'll tell them about Jesus. This guy found the person beaten, put him on his donkey, cared for him and brought him to the inn. It says he took care of him. So uh, how do we become unstuck in our faith, in sharing our faith? Well, this story gives us the perfect example. Dwayne, you can give us that next slide. You see, first of all, we need to hail the traveler. We're all travelers in this world, aren't we? We're all traveling from birth to death. We're trying to have the best life in between. And each one of us probably has the same struggles, generally speaking. Yeah? The same hopes, same dreams. I think it was Eddie Grant who said, everyone wants the same thing, don't they? We all want a happy end. We hail a traveler. You've got to meet a stranger. You've got to oh, go out of your way to cross a divide and find some reason to talk to someone that you don't know. The second thing we've got to do is build a bridge. You see, I've got to go out of my way to build a bridge to reach that person who's got no interest in coming to me. So far, it's a lot of hard work. We think, why do we spend money and go to another country's? And I always laugh because when I go to a third world country, guys go, hey, sure, we'll pray for you. When I go to a first world country, the guys go, oh, nice, eh? <laughs> I wish I was going.
can't wait. In just over two months' time, I'm going to be eating croissants in France. And all of you guys are going to go, how's the holiday? When I go to Lesotho, no one says, how was the pop? <laughs> and I order it on purpose. You see, you go out of your way to build a bridge. It's not about me. It's about that person. And I'll do the bridge that I need to do. It's amazing when a young guy makes eyes at a young girl. All of a sudden, he develops interests that he never knew he had before. If she likes blomerang uh, skuk, help? Flower arranging, thank you. All of a sudden, man, he's quite partial to flowers. <laughs> yeah. If she's a jogger, man, this guy suddenly gets some running shoes. Yeah. You see, if, my, if the kingdom of God is central to my life, then all of a sudden, I should find some interest in the ones that, that, that are common in the ones that Jesus is interested with. Build a bridge. Then we cross that bridge. We don't say, hey, I built you a bridge. Come on over any time. When you're ready, I'll tell you about Jesus. No, you, the bridge is for you, not for them. You walk across the bridge, then you grab them by the hand, and we walk them over the bridge together. And the fourth one is we invite them into our world, and the fifth one is we introduce them to our friends. DIY disciples. If you're waiting for Billy Graham, you'll wait forever because he's one person who can be in one place. If you're waiting till the Lord anoints you and gives you the courage to stand on a street corner, you might wait forever because that might not be what He's called you to. But every single one of us are called to go and do likewise like Jesus did. I want to suggest to you and I that we need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, it's true. However much I love you, I have become stuck in my faith, in sharing my faith. Do you agree? you agree? My point is not to make you feel bad because then another preacher could say, Oh, yeah, you call yourself Christians and... Not my point. My point is Jesus worked with these 12 men for three years, and then he said, right, now it's up to you. Go for it. Could you imagine if we reconvened in three years' time? We said, right, who's gone for it? Could you imagine the stories? Someone would say, well, I, 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 I tried this, and I got nowhere. And someone else would say, well, I got a little bit down the road. And wouldn't that be cool? Someone would say, I've been trying for two years with my neighbor. He still doesn't want to greet me. But you've tried. Hey, <laughs> our disciples. And let me finish with this. Uh, Dwayne, you can give us the last slide. So skip the next one and give us the last one. In Acts chapter 16, verse 26, Paul and Silas are arrested. They're put into jail. You remember the story, you know, the old, if you know the New Testament. And it says about midnight, they were worshiping the Lord. They were singing along. And there was an earthquake. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 26 said, At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. Friends, why is it important that you and I become unstuck so that I can have a happier life? Sure. But I hope we've understood by now that that's not the goal. It's the process to the goal. When I have some victories in my life, then I can help other people have some victories in their life. Yes? I've met Jesus. Great. I don't, that, that's not me. I've met Jesus so that I can help other people meet Jesus. He's taught me about handling my money so that I can not be broke, so that I can help other people when they have problems. Taught me to keep my cat happy because I'm a Christian and my dog's smiling. Thank you, Hudson Taylor. You understand my point? Why is it important that you and I get unstuck? I'll tell you why, because like Peter and Silas, when I get unstuck, 
there's a good chance that you can become, un become unstuck. You see, why is it so important we become unstuck? You might be saying, Craig, leave me alone. Stop pushing and prodding me. Stop being a pain. Stop preaching like that, Craig. I want to say it's vital because when you become unstuck, when you become unstuck, then we become unstuck and those around you have hope. It's such an old hackneyed example, but remember they said there was no such thing as a sub 10 second 100 meter, remember? And then someone did it, and then lots more people did it. You see, when one, people break, when one person breaks through, then we as a people break through. If you and I become unstuck, man, then the rest of us have a great chance. If, if I'm struggling to be unstuck in one area and you've broken through, then you can pull me, and I can pull you. If I'm the guy that spots the guy on the ground and I pick him up, then maybe my breakthrough there will help you break through in your area. See why it's so important we break through? See why it's so important we become unstuck? Not just unstuck in helping me get my life better, Lord, but unstuck in helping other people meet Jesus. Jesus said, after three years, now go and do likewise. Let's stand. Jesus, we've prayed this morning about uh, balancing on bicycles and singing new songs. And Father, we ask you that as we leave this meeting, that we would be pedaling, not trying to balance, that we would be humming, if not singing, and that Jesus, the dormant seeds, would be springing into life. I pray for us, Lord. There's so many areas we need to become unstuck so that we can thrive the way you've intended us to. I pray, Lord, that all of those would just be the beginning, the entrance to, that we might introduce others to Jesus. I pray, Lord, we wouldn't be so busy making, things, making sure things are right. We wouldn't be so um, heavenly-minded. We're not earthly good. But, Lord, that we'd be those that would go out of our way, building bridges, crossing the bridges, helping walk with a friend. I pray for testimonies and uh, opportunities, Lord. Father, that we could not just leave our faith, the exercise of our faith to the certain few, but that there would be a groundswell of each one of us putting our hands on the plow, Lord, being DIY disciples, makers that affect our faith and introduce many to Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool. Thanks, Craig. Uh, thank you, everyone. There's uh, tea and coffee in the courtroom, courtyard. Uh, if you're new... Please stay, have a cup of coffee. We'd love to get to meet you. And uh, thank you. Enjoy your day. Savior, I come, quiet my soul. Remember, yeah, redemption's here for your blood.